0: It's the exposure, and it's the validation. You know, say you do get an article on entrepreneur, then you've got the third party validation to the story and the brand. So it is exposure. It is multiple touches. You know, we're bombarded with stories and messaging all the time, and it's meeting them where they are. So maybe somebody listened to your podcast a year ago, or maybe they're not ready to make a decision, but in a few weeks or in a six months, they will. It's exposure and meeting them where they are in the way that they like to consume content. There are so many big variables involved and it's a numbers game.
1: Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership.
2: Allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. All right. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. I'm Christian Dadelak, your co-host, along with my co-host, Dan Claps. What's up, Dan? Hey, Christian. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Awesome, man. Having a good day. And we have a fantastic guest on today, Leanne Caruso with Entrepreneur Media. Leanne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy you guys had me on. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So I guess we'll start where we start with most of the other guests, which is... How did you get into franchising? Franchising, for the most part, finds us. We don't find franchising. So, how did that happen for you? Can you give us a brief synopsis
0: of how that happened? Sure. I feel like probably the most answers are I fell into franchising. So, I'm going to say that too. (laughs) Back in about 2009, I started my own marketing agency when I moved to Tampa and I didn't know anybody. And so, I made a post on Facebook and I got my first client from Facebook. And then I realized the power of social. So, this was before. Business pages even existed. And so I kind of fell into social with that. I started working with local franchisees to help them with their social media. You know, I started with a massage and owner and then she sent me to another massage and owner who sent me to the regional and kind of grew from there. And then concurrently, I was working with other marketing agencies and PR companies who knew that they needed to add social media as a product, but didn't really know where to start. So I started helping them build social media programs. And one of the agencies that I started working with also worked with Rhino7, which is a franchise development company. And so I got to know more brands. And then eventually, a brand, kind of an umbrella brand, acquired my agency. So then I got to work as the CMO of the brands and also run the agencies. So I've been on both sides now. And I've had a varied career in franchising. I've worked on the agency side and on the franchisor side. About a year ago, I started at Entrepreneur, and I oversee the entire franchise side of Entrepreneur, including sales, operations, marketing, content, anything else that we can do to produce great stuff in franchising. That's it in a nutshell. (laughs)
2: Love it. So you've been like a fractional CMO, you said, Chief Marketing Officer, and then tell us more about with entrepreneurs. I mean, so you wear a lot of hats, it sounds like, a lot of different hats. Mm -hmm. So tell us about Entrepreneur. And for those of you, I think we've all heard about what Entrepreneur Magazine is. We're familiar with Entrepreneur Media. But can you give us a brief synopsis of what that is? Sure.
0: Yeah. So we have a magazine that we publish nine times a year. We also have another magazine called Startups that we publish three times a year. And then we also have the digital content. Obviously, a lot moving to digital where a lot of people are consuming content. And we, in the franchising side specifically, for almost 44 years now, we've produced the Franchise 500, which is kind of like the premier go-to ranking list for franchise brands. And people submit their franchise to be included in the Franchise 500. It's based off a series of data points, about 150 data points that we pull together out of like 390 data points that they submit. And it produces an algorithm and we fall out with a 500 list. From that 500 list, then we create several other lists throughout the year, like top veterans, top food, best of the best, top mobile, and so on. So we've got a bunch of different kind of rankings in franchising. So what that does is that brings a lot of prospects and candidates to our website and to our publications. So we, you know, as Entrepreneur Magazine, we get a lot of people who want to be business owners or they think they want to start a business, but they don't really know where to start. And with that, they may or may not know that franchising is an option for them. And then we have business owners who have a business and they have a successful business, maybe a couple of locations and they want to franchise their business. So it's our job to produce content that helps educate them and provide them resources. And that's through webinars and video. We just launched Entrepreneur TV, content, articles, any ways that people consume content, we can produce it. So we've become the go-to in franchising in terms of our lists. And you can go and you can research different brands on our website. And then what we've been working on in the background over the last year is kind of reimagining and rebuilding the user experience in our franchise section. And so that's for candidates producing better and more content, more evergreen content, as well as the consumer content. You know, Taco Bell changed their menu. KFC has a new sandwich, that sort of stuff. But also providing educational content for franchisors, franchisees, prospects, candidates, suppliers. So we're rebuilding and producing a lot more than what we've most recently done.
1: Yeah, we can see in the community entrepreneurs continually putting out more and more fresh content and other verticals. And you know, it's incredible that you guys provide that platform for a franchise candidate because you know, as much as I do, I remember when I first started looking at purchasing a franchise years ago, I was overwhelmed. You know, and granted, we're in the development side of the business, but how many development people would call me and email me and reach out and you're providing a resource where people can just self-educate, they can learn. And that ranking system, the Franchise 500, is so great because it's, what is it, 900 franchisors contribute to that
0: vote? Well, this year, we just closed it out and we're over 1,200.
1: 1,200 individual franchisors, there's, you know, yeah like it or don't like it, they choose and then that's tallied up and that's what creates the supplier or franchisor or whatever Mm -hmm. vertical.
0: Yeah. So they submit and to be in the top 500, there's a certain level of criteria. So you have to have at least 10 franchise locations and open so many years and meet a certain level of criteria. But we always encourage anybody and everybody to submit for the list because of the other lists that come out of it. So you might not make the top 500, but you might make top new and emerging, or you might make top food, you know, so there's opportunities for you to still be the best in category. But because it's so competitive, you might not make 500 yet. Certainly goals. And we are actually done a bunch of research this year going all the way back to the 43 years. And we have people who have actually been on the list as many years. So it's really kind of cool to see them grow and where they've been you know, in their journey.
2: That's interesting. Something I'm curious about is what does their turnover look like from the list year to year? So you mentioned some people have been on the list for the entirety of the list that's existed on Entrepreneur. But what does the turnover typically look like year to year? I mean, do brands typically stay on that list for a decent amount of time? Or what does that typically look like?
0: I would say if you're in the top 450, you will generally stay on the list. You know, COVID the last couple of years kind of presented some very wonky results because some brands did really, really well and some brands did really, really bad. So that kind of shuffled things up a bit. I think this year, things will settle in a little bit more, that kind of back to normal. But unless you had you know a tough year and closures, then generally, you'll likely stay on the list unless something major happened. But most people who once they're on, they don't come off unless they, for some reason, had to change in management or a bad year.
2: Got it. So it really means a lot to be on that list. And if you get on it, you're likely going to stay on it. So those are pretty solid brands to look at. Yeah, for sure.
1: Something so cool about entrepreneur media, right? Like today I woke up and I looked at my calendar and these days I'm living off my calendar. I have no idea what I'm doing because as an entrepreneur with my new business, I'm on like that seven day a week grind right now, traveling, hiring, everything. So a little jumbled, but I woke up this morning, I looked at my calendar and I'm like, oh yeah, I have that call with Entrepreneur today. And there's something so exciting about that. Not just because of the name, of course, what you guys have built, but yeah. I bet when you started that name didn't hurt getting some recognition.
0: Yeah. I mean for me, like I said, I started my own business in two thousand nine. So, you know, entrepreneur's the North Star for me. And then I fell in franchising. And so it's kind of the culmination of franchising and entrepreneur, like this brand that is so powerful and was impactful for me. You know, I've always gotten the magazine and I read the articles. It's like my go to because I have that entrepreneurial spirit. But either way, the content that we produce is for business owners and leadership and, you know, kind of being better just at what you do. So, yeah. I tell people like I punch myself every day that I get to do what I do for entrepreneur, and it's such a great organization. You know, it's been around for so many years, and we get to empower local business owners. You know, I just love it.
2: Absolutely, I mean, I got to say, I feel more legit just having you on the podcast, more (laughs) legit than we probably are, right, Dan?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, even though you guys just made our top podcasts to listen to in franchising, so congratulations.
2: Thank you. We appreciate that. It was. (laughs) A huge honor. I was like flabbergasted.
0: Yeah, that's fun. And I love to throw stuff out like that on social just to see, because I want to know what people are consuming and I want to know what people want and need, you know, to help better themselves. We just have such a huge opportunity to influence and impact. So, like for me, that stuff is fun. You know, what are you listening to right now? And then everybody starts tagging and recommending and referring. So, it brought light to some podcasts that I didn't know existed either. So, Yeah, I love doing stuff like that. So congratulations.
1: Well, I was going to ask, you know, it's interesting. First of all, yes, absolutely. was a great honor to be on that list. And it was a really cool thing to see. And, you know, we started this podcast. We have no reason, really. If you think about Christian and I are both like, In the same business, but you know we're not in the same company, you know at least right now, or who knows. But we've worked together in different capacities. But we don't have like an agenda to our podcast. There's no monetization of it or anything, right? So we do this. And I remember when we first started, we were like, let's just do this podcast. And then I remember us having a conversation of like, well, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. You know, let's get music, let's get an editor. We have a phenomenal editor making these things sound great. And so you know, it's just funny that you make a podcast, and all of a sudden you're like thirty episodes in or whatever, but. Then you gotta stand out because there's so many podcasts. But let's talk about you know, media. Like as an entrepreneur, as a leader of an organization, as an executive, media is something most of us didn't learn in college and how to do business, or there's not a ton of books on how to do it, at least that I know of. So could you walk some of our listeners through if they wanna get into media outlets, how they can start and maybe what they also Shouldn't do, <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. So it is interesting being on the other side of media because I've also never worked for a media organization. I've always been the one trying to push the story out, right? And so it is interesting to see and how quickly I can learn what not to do and what to do. But our editor in chief, Jason Pfeiffer, if anybody follows him on LinkedIn, but he always has some great tips. But I would say that first things first: do the research on the publication or or the media that you're trying to pitch. We'll use pitches like the company that you want to tell your story to, or you want them to tell your story. Because a lot of times I think that people go to publications and just hit send on a press release, but maybe it's the wrong company, maybe it's the wrong editor, maybe it's the wrong group. And so your message will just fall into a trash can, especially if you don't do your research on what story you're trying to tell versus the publication that you're trying to get into. So first things first, do your research. And if you have a specific writer or editor in mind see that they're the right editor or writer for what you're trying to sell. So if you're trying to go to a newspaper specifically and you have a business story, you know, don't go to the home and garden writer. So just do your due diligence before reaching out because they're not going to share it. They're not going to say, "Oh, look, this story was meant for you." They're just going to trash it. And then basically upon doing your research just know that the story that you're trying to tell for us press releases go straight to the trash can. Everybody has movement in their organization. So-and-so became a VP. So-and-so became president. Cool. Everybody's got that story. The story really for entrepreneur, I can say, is our audience are people who want to start a business, are in business, want to be an entrepreneur, a franchisee, and they want the resources, the tools on how to do that. So make sure your story aligns with that. If you tell us the story... And tell us a challenge or an issue or how they overcame something and how can you fit into the other stories that we're trying to tell? If there's a cool part of it, share that. But just saying so-and-so became VP, no, tell us that you know they started working at 16 years old at McDonald's and now they own 70 of them. Therein lies the story, right? So it's really more about storytelling than it is about a press release. I think press releases are a little bit dead. (laughs) Yeah, they're boring. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, who reads them? Nobody.
1: (laughs) It's interesting too, because when you think about like, I always heard this quote, companies don't make decisions, people do, right? Someone within a seat at an organization make a decision and the more human you are, the more that they're more likely to connect to your story and then be able to share it. You know, it's interesting. Like, I'm thinking about, like, for Christian this weekend,
2: he was just at where in Canada were you, Christian? Oh, gosh, don't ask me this. (laughs) I basically got off the plane and they just took me to a place. No, we were in Manitoba, Manitoba, which is the province. And then within that is Winnipeg. And then we went to Falcon Lake, which was two hours away from Winnipeg North, I think. I don't know. I just got picked up and dropped. I wouldn't need
1: your longitude and latitude. I just meant like.
2: Sure. Yeah. It was Falcon Lake, which is two hours wherever near Winnipeg, basically.
1: I just thought it was so cool because like Christian, you know, by doing a lot of placements as a consultant and he had wanted, I don't need to tell a story for you, but won the opportunity to go to this really great cabin in Canada. And, you know, Scott Abbott, whose home I believe it is, is there. And you were saying you were riding bikes together for, you know, 14 miles. And I just think it's so cool because like, here's someone that leads a massive organization, has led a lot of organizations, but he's a person. Yeah. You know, it's the same with the media. Like if you're reaching out to, I don't care if it's, you know, the head of the company, be a real person and you might be able to get a lot further along than you think.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the emails that we get are so formal or they don't have any introduction or anything like that. But if you just I'm telling you the people who have gotten stories printed or that we've done an article on and they've personalized it, they say, Hey Leanne, I have a client that These are the topics that they can speak on. This is one of the things that they just overcame. That does a whole lot more because also any editor or writer, their inbox is just like hundreds of pitches constantly throughout the day. And so you have to stand out. And so do your research, make it quick and to the point, but tell exactly what you are able to offer to the writer. And maybe it's not a whole story about them, but if you can fit into a story that they're trying to tell, Or you say, hey, I saw that you just did an article on so and so. I have something that aligns with this. And, you know, there could be a follow up story or or something along those lines. But yeah, personal. If you're enjoying this episode,
2: please click the subscribe button and make sure to connect with the Franchise Founders Podcast on LinkedIn. Yeah, the great way to approach it is just thinking not what's in it, what's in it for me, but what's in it for the writer you know, you approach it from that standpoint because they're going to write the articles that they need to write. And so present it in a way, not, hey, I'm trying to get information out about my brand, but I'm trying to help the writer get their stories and their articles written in a way that's going to get engagement.
0: Right. So that makes sense. Taking a step further, what's in it for the reader? Because that's what the writer is thinking. Exactly. Yeah. So if you look at it like multidimensional, what's in it for the writer, make it easy for them, help them see the point quickly how can you solve problems or what challenges can you resolve? What solutions can you give? And then they can think what's in it for the reader.
1: I'm thinking back, I was at a franchise conference and Jesse Itzler was speaking It's great about, you know, you obviously were there and it was incredible. And he was speaking about all these times he met all these influential people that helped him along the way. And so I snuck out right as I knew he was leaving and I, I flagged him down. And I said, hey, like, you've told multiple stories where you met someone Famous or influential, and got them to help you. Like, what's the secret? And I, I was really impressed that he said, first of all, it's a numbers game. You heard about the two people that answered, a thousand that didn't. So just keep trying. And then basically said, it's a one sided relationship, but not the way you think. Like, give that person who you're trying to get on the radar, just keep giving them things. Just keep giving them, whether it's sending them something, content, whatever. And I took that to heart and went home and started doing that. He didn't answer me yet. but I was <laughs> No, he did actually answer. But it's a numbers game. You got to stay with it. Yeah, that's a really good point. He's so good.
2: He's so good. In a million and one ways from endurance athlete and business. yeah. (laughs) yeah, He's incredible. So one thing I wanted to ask too was in terms of methodology, what's the best way for brands that are trying to get a story out? What's the best way for them to approach media outlets? Is it via email? Is it trying to call a contact if they've built that relationship? I mean, what are the do's and don'ts there?
0: If they're friends with somebody, if they happen to be friends with somebody, sure. But I think most writers or people who are looking to produce content are super busy and email is definitely the best way to go. Less formal email, just a quick check-in is good. Most of my contacts will reach out to me and they'll just shoot a quick... Note with some very high-level bullet points, and then that's generally the best way to go. That that's the approach. I would say phone call not going to work if this writer or the editor wants to write about it. They'll call and interview, but otherwise, a quick email is good. You know, the PR companies are good to have in franchising because that's another one. It's more about who you know. Their strategy and the storytelling most certainly, but they have relationships with the media outlets, which a normal brand or a normal business owner just might not have yet. And so that's where one of the values of the PR companies is because they already have those relationships. They have those big relationships with Fox and CNN and the major publications, franchise publications. So on the other side, when we're getting emails, we know which kind of PR companies we can trust to bring great content or to bring a great guest. That's the same with any media outlet. So it's almost like. You see those pitches come in and you take those more valuable first because they know what they're doing and they've been in the industry for a long time. So PR is one of those things that's very expensive and the results sometimes are taken negotiably because there's not the value to them. You know, with marketing agencies and so on, you can put a more specific value, a dollar amount to the lead. But a PR company is not as much, but I think it's definitely worth the investment to bring the right PR company on because they've already got the relationship. So it's less work.
1: I was thinking about this. You can't quantify it. Yeah, exactly. You can't quantify the spend the same way. But like just to relate it to us on this small little level, like recently I was like, why do people keep reaching out to me more than they did? And then I'm like, oh yeah, I keep putting out this podcast. Yeah. You know, and so. It works right, and so if you're doing that, and then also getting into media outlets, and mm-hmm. you're probably not realizing that it wasn't that one ad or that one media story; it was that accumulation that leads to someone, 100, you know, whatever your end goal that you're looking to get from your clientele.
0: Yeah, it's the exposure and it's the validation. You know, say you do get an article on Entrepreneur, you know, then you've got the third-party validation to the story and the brand. So it is exposure; it is multiple touches. You know We're bombarded with stories and messaging all the time and it's meeting them where they are. So maybe somebody listened to your podcast a year ago, or maybe they're not ready to make a decision, but in a few weeks or in a six months, they will. It's exposure and meeting them where they are in the way that they like to consume content. There are so many big variables involved and it's a numbers game.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's all about staying top of mind. It doesn't make sense if you're just getting in front of them once because we're inundated with so many different messages, different brands, inside and outside of franchising. So you have to have the volume of content and the consistency of content. So obviously, you have to have some kind of strategy. I think if you're doing it kind of haphazardly and just randomly putting out a piece of content here or there, I think that that probably isn't going to do as well for a brand as if they had an actual strategy. So is there a certain volume of content that you recommend? I mean, are they trying to get a publication of some kind out on a monthly basis, quarterly? I mean, is there too much? And is
0: there a point where it's too little and they're not going to move the needle enough? What's the perspective there? I don't think there's ever too much content that you can produce. I mean, if you look at digital landscape nowadays... There's just content everywhere. People are going to do their research. They're going to find the information from somebody. You want them to find it from you. So there's definitely never too much strategy unless it just becomes too time-consuming for you or your team. In terms of getting stories printed or articles written about you and PR pushes and so on, I would only aim for when you have a story to tell. And that's when you're going to be most successful. Otherwise, you're going to set yourself up for failure or... Disappointment if you keep pushing out stories that aren't really stories or that you're trying to craft isn't really something that's going to get picked up. So I think that's again where a PR agency is good because they can really help you build a strategy. They can help you find the stories within your brand. You know, we're talking also about franchisees, every franchisee, every franchisor, every business, there's a story in there, whether it's an employee or you know, how they got to where they are. Maybe they gave the business to their kid. There's stories within, it's just pulling them out. What might seem everyday and normal to you, somebody else can actually pull that story out. So there's something in there. And I think that that's where it's important to have somebody to help you with the strategy and what is worthy of getting printed or telling the story in some way. But I've seen PR companies do work with brands where they have a quarterly strategy. So I think that makes the most sense. Otherwise, I think you're trying too hard to find a story every month that's too much.
2: Yeah. And then it's forced. Forced. Anytime it's forced, it's not going to connect with people and they're not going to want to share the story. But on the other side of that token, sometimes a story that like you just said, something that might seem kind of mundane and not useful for the reader might actually be very useful and very informational and insightful and helpful for the reader. So I think it does make sense to have a PR firm who they've done this enough mm-hmm. so that they can say, okay, this is a story worth telling. Maybe this is one we should leave out. But it sounds like it's not necessarily where per quarter we want to have a certain amount of content that goes out. It's mostly just like the quality of the content and something that's worth sharing.
0: Right. Quality over quantity. And again, like you get in the entrepreneur. Sometimes if you pitch us again in a month, we'll be like, we just wrote about them. Let's you know, give another brand a chance. So unless it's really, really compelling. So you just have to set expectations of what is considered success in this. If you get a big publication, you might get one or two big hits for the year. And that's enough. That's enough volume of readers that you're hitting or people that you're touching that that's worthy of your investment in telling your story. So I think setting expectations is key because it's not easy to also pitch a story. And maybe, again, maybe they just wrote about it and it's just timing. It doesn't mean that your story is not compelling.
1: Yeah, especially if you have a great story that hits and then you take the time to remarket that and you know lean on it as much as as you can. Well, I had a question for you, a granular one, but I'm curious because a lot of our listeners you know, that are looking to... Purchase a franchise, but a lot of our listeners are founders of franchises, hence the name Franchise Founders. <laughs> and, you know, let's say they're running a couple million dollar a year revenue business. They've got a director of marketing. They've got some resources, not a tremendous amount. Could you walk, you know, especially having owned your own company, could you walk us through what you would recommend would be the bare bones, like they want to start producing content. To give an example, a Franchise Playbook, which I've started recently. Our director of marketing is working with a content writer to put out a couple articles per week. And that alone is the whole machine that we have to build if we want to get any type of SEO or any type of benefit down the road. But it's daunting. So is there any like, to start out, this is what you should do?
0: Yeah, it's a lot. I think the plan really has to be what's your bandwidth, what are the resources that you have available. If you try too much too fast, then you will probably fail and you'll have like 8 really great articles and then you'll go dark for 2 or 3 months because it just became too overwhelming. So I would create a plan. I think ideally, depending on the type of business and the kind of content that you can produce also dictates how much content. I don't think you need more than 4 pieces of content a month. If that's too much, aim for 2 and that's okay. If you make them longer, more SEO friendly, just make sure that whatever writer that you have is writing with purpose and is telling a story and also can squeeze in some keyword strategies or make it SEO-centric to where if you think about when you're writing the content that you're writing, what are people searching for? So, you know, how do I start a business? How do I start a franchise, for instance? Or what are people searching on Google? And there's tools that you can use to find that information. So you don't have to know a ton about SEO to make it worthy. But if you consider, again, thinking about what the reader wants to read and what are the challenges that they're trying to solve in order for them to find you. So think about it backwards. I've seen too many people think about it from the business owner's perspective, where they just have all of this information that they want to share about their business and their company. But that's maybe not the angle to try to get people to learn about your company. So my first client was a seawall client and we needed to produce content but my gosh there's only so much content that you can write on building seawalls. So just know your industry and know what's important to people. Content is definitely important. So it's all about the business idea, the messages you want to share and that's how you would build your strategy but I wouldn't push more than four articles a month that becomes too too much. Repurpose it on social and email newsletters. You can take one piece of content, and slice it, and dice it 60 different ways. So use that as your strategy as opposed to you know more and more and more.
2: Makes a ton of sense to me. I mean everything's all about strategy and being strategic obviously, and I think as business owners and people that like for the podcast even We want to just let everyone know everything about what it is we're doing. And there's no rhyme or reason. There's no structure to the message that we're trying to convey. And that's a really good idea to use some of those tools you mentioned to see what people are searching on Google or some of these search engines. And then you could tailor the content to basically answer that question or to address that need or that interest level and then work your brand and what you do into that conversation. I think that makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I tell business owners and small business owners specifically is everybody's got a frequently asked questions list, right? (laughs) Whether or not they actually have it on their website or they have it in their head because they're like, if I get asked that question one more time, every question that you have, just start making a list and that's a blog article. Those are questions that people have about your business and every business has them. That's the best way to start. I think when you're trying to figure out what content you're going to write is just start with your frequently asked questions and turn it into an article or a story.
2: Should be enough content for a year. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I'm sure for you guys, you probably have hundreds of them. And you can literally take the smallest question and make a full article out of it. And then again, slice it and dice it 10 different ways for social or for other posts or video content. Again, people are consuming content in all different ways. Some people like video, some people like video without audio, some people like podcasts, some people like books, blog articles, you know, a quick snippet, meet them where they are. And just, it feels like a lot, but you took one hour of time to write the article, then you can just repurpose that in so many different ways. And also share it again in a month and reword the headline and nobody's going to (laughs) notice.
1: It's excellent. So
0: if someone's listening,
1: they want to reach out to, I mean, you've given the tips, but you know, if someone wanted to take a next step to get involved in your world, what would they do?
0: Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn for sure. My name is Leanne, L-I-A-N-E, Caruso, C-A-R-U-S-O. Nobody can ever spell my name right. Apparently not even me. Or just shoot me an email at lcaruso at entrepreneur.com. Another word people can't spell.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us. And you know, I wanted a quick message to our listeners because you actually reminded me of something. I was taught in business for a long time that you know you want to keep certain things to yourself and proprietary. And I've since changed my mindset on that when I realized when you're in a professional service, you're in some type of expert service, that if you can give away more than you feel like you should, trust me, you didn't give it all away, and people will still want to work with you. And so our goal at our podcast is try to get real granular, not just broad, but here's exactly actionable steps that you can take. So thank you for sharing some of those. And if you're listening and you want to hear something, a topic, how to do something in the industry, you know, message Christian or I on LinkedIn and we'll make sure to come out with an episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast.
2: If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business, anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com.